All right, entrepreneurs, business owners, and side hustlers everywhere. Today's Seven Figures Club podcast guest is Coach Jim Johnson. No, not the Jim Johnson who used to coach football. This is Coach Jim Johnson, who is a uh, championship level basketball coach who is well known in a lot of circles. You probably saw uh, a crazy video with one of his uh, players that he coached a few years ago. We're going to get into that. But let me just tell you a little bit about Coach Jim Johnson. For over 30 years, uh, his experience in developing winning high school basketball teams, including 428 career victories. Wow, that's a lot of victories. Sets the stage for the unique credibility and power of Coach Jim Johnson's message. Many speakers talk about leadership, but it's rare to find a speaker who has quite literally led thousands. And that's why this is important for you as an entrepreneur and business owner. Obviously, your ability to lead your team, to convince, persuade, to teach is vital to your success as an entrepreneur. And that's why I'm super excited that uh, Coach Johnson's taking a few minutes to spend and share uh, not just a few years of success, but decades of wisdom when it comes to leadership. Now, in a moment later celebrated all over the world, Coach weighed risk with the potential for great opportunity for an autistic student manager named Jason McKelwin. J-Mac, catapulting Jim the team and J-Mac down a path of inspiration and hope. This video literally went, went viral. What happened and Jim's gonna explain was nothing short of, of a miracle. And that one victory continues to re reverberate into countless lives as audience after audience is touched by a wave of courage and tenacity and witnesses what true leadership can accomplish. Coach Johnson, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thank you, Leo. Looking forward to it. I, I got to start with a, a short story. You'll get a chuckle out of it because you did kid about Coach Jimmy Johnson, the Dallas Cowboys, former That's coach right. of the Miami Dolphins. And ironically, I spoke to a couple of school districts in Dallas and actually uh, in the hotel I stayed on was Jimmy Johnson Boulevard. And oh, nice. the other thing that was hilarious is I got picked up at the uh, Dallas airport and they said, Coach Jim Johnson, and the guy driving laughed when I came out. He goes, they had like 100 people come over because they thought it was the Dallas Foot Cowboys coach. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I'm the different Jimmy Johnson. So, but, uh, Absolutely. So, Coach, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, what led you to become a coach, a leader of young men? And boy, uh, a lot of young men need leadership, need guidance today. And for sure, a lot of our young uh, workforce that are looking for guidance and those who are trying to lead them. So tell us a little bit about your background and, and what led you to, you know, become a, a coach and, and what that path was like. Yeah. So I grew up in a, a family of uh, six kids. So I was the oldest. So I guess I kind of got the leadership by, uh, because I was the firstborn, but uh, my that dad happens. was one of my major heroes. He was actually my high school basketball coach. And I fell in love with the game. Mm. Actually, a little bit later, probably the eighth grade, I was actually a, a love baseball growing up, but then got into basketball as my father became the head coach of the high school I ended up going to. 
And I just, I love sports. So I just, uh, to me, uh, of course, like a lot of kids, I want to be a pro, but uh, that didn't work out. But I, uh, uh, you know, I, I found a way that I could stay in the game. And the interesting thing is I really, uh, in retrospect, really understood uh, a lot about the different roles. And as a leader, you're always trying to figure out the different roles. And, and you know, in, in a basketball team, you've got, you know, one or two guys that are probably your best players, right? Then you've got other guys that are starters, but, you know, are they're, you know, your stars. And then you've got guys that'll come in off the bench and you got guys that don't play much at all. And then you've yeah. got guys that didn't even make the team. And, you know, in J-Mac's case, where he was our team manager, and the interesting thing is what was helpful is certainly uh, the highs and lows is I actually hit all those roles. I was one of the worst guys on the team. I've been cut from a team. I was a guy that started, but was not a star. I was the best player on the team. So I hit all the roles, which was very helpful as a coach in understanding the different things that young men go through in uh, trying to uh, play those roles um, because some are a little easier. It's, it's a little easier not to be easy to get to be a star, but when you're a star, it's a lot more fun than the guy that's the last guy in the bench. But, you know, understanding that as a leader, I think is really important because all the roles are important if you're going to build a great team culture to have a successful team. Yeah, no question. All the roles very important and, and so forth. So, so as you took over that program and, you know, began your career as a, as a high school coach, now, were you at multiple schools or, or what was that journey like? Yeah, so I actually, uh, my hometown is Greece, New York, which is the largest suburb yeah. of Rochester. And I grew up in Greece and there were three high schools growing up. Ironically, I went to one and ended up being the head coach at the other two. So, uh, but early <laughs> I actually uh, was a head coach at, at a, a school about 20 minutes from where I grew up at 25 years old. So I was pretty young. Oh, wow. Very and young. Had, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a young, young head coach. Yeah, for sure. So I, I had a couple of years as assistant and I thought I, you know, cause I was a JV coach and we had done well. So I thought I knew everything about coaching and my first job, I led that team to 17 consecutive losses and then they just not to bring me back. So I, I, I was fired after one year and that was very humbling, but it's probably the best, you know, because as entrepreneurs, leaders, you know, you're going through challenges and, you know, the ups and downs of running a business, which I do now, but it is same with running a team. And, and the fact that I, you know, really got my butt kicked early uh, ended up being great for me. And, I, and what I like to share with people is for two reasons. One, it woke me up is realized that I had to be a better student of how to be a better leader and how to build teams. And secondly, I used it as a, instead of a stumbling block, a stepping stone in the fact that it was a burn in my belly that never went away, that I was going to prove that I could be a successful coach. And, you know, talking to, you know, your audience, a lot of small business owners, you know, all the challenges you have, you know, where you, you know, things go great for a while, then all of a sudden, where'd my business go? And, oh, you know, yeah. and it's ups and downs. And, you know, that's a lot of what we get in coaching, too. So as a leader, you got to be able to handle that and use those setbacks, the failures, whatever you want to describe that is is learning experiences with the idea that you got to keep growing and keep getting better. No question about it. 
And I, that's I'm almost a blessing sometimes because sometimes if you start out and things are going well and a few years go by and then you all of a sudden have that uh, big uh, failure challenge, obstacle learning experience, then sometimes that's more difficult. And so that's interesting that it happened right from the get-go, but then it really attacks you to the core, like, wow, what did I do wrong? And so as you looked back and then started the next chapter, what were some of the keys to being a better leader that you started to realize or establish on your next chapter? Yeah, so I do a lot of leadership presentations around the country, and I talk about seven keys. And the first one that jumped out to me, because I took over a second program that was actually a smaller school, and I took over for two years, and they had been losing. They had won two games before we took over, and we got it going. We had a winning season in my second year there. And the thing that I did much better the second time is I realized that I had more clarity of what I was all about. Something I really encourage people and, you know, uh, Dr. Covey, uh, Franklin Covey, uh, you know, in his seven habits, he talks a lot, a lot about having your own personal mission statement. And I happened yes. to read that book and the power of getting clarity of who you are, what you're going to stand for. And, and I, I delve into, I try to teach people a little bit of how they can discover their mission. Because when I took over that second program, I got more clarity about what I was, what I stood for. And I shared that with them. And then the other thing we built in is how to build a, a team mission. You know, a lot of times if you take over a business uh, they probably already have a mission statement. We got to make sure. I always kid people as a leader, you got to be the CRO, the chief reminding officer. You got to consistently oh, live the message yeah. and share the message. But, you know, if you're starting your own business, or in my case, when I was taking over a program, they didn't really have a team mission. Get feedback from your people of what are you all about and, and get clarity and then live that. So, for example, when I took over at this small school, I said, what, what should be our mission? And they said, coach, we want to win. We've been losing. <laughs> and I said, well, I want to win too, but I think it's got to be bigger than this. So give me an example. Our team mission was to develop winners on and off the court. And Ooh, what I, like I had to do is have clarity of what how we define winning on the court. Certainly the scoreboard was part of that, but it was also being a great teammate, being someone that could handle adversity, uh, you know, be able to handle a tough call by an official. And then off the court, being the best student you could be, be, be someone that was going to be a good community member. So those are the things we were trying to teach. And I think the same thing you see in businesses. You know, if the mission is just strictly to make profit, those those organizations are rarely less. You've got to be bigger than that. There's got to be a stronger purpose. Certainly, and I don't ever say this, like, you know, winning basketball games as a coach is part of the job, you know, and making a profit in a business is part of the process. Because you can have a great mission if you don't have any profit, you're not going to last either. But I think the thing I found out is it manifests when everybody buys into the mission and lives it consistently that you're going to end up winning a lot of games or in business making a lot of profit. Yeah, no, no question about it. Uh, the, the previous business I started before this one, we grew really fast, but we didn't have a defined mission. We didn't have the defined values and principles and standards, high standards that we that we needed to have. And I brought on partners who didn't share that vision. When I started this current company here, we we put them on the wall. I look about on the wall. The first thing we have is we're going to do what we say we're going to do. And those things make all the difference because everybody knows what the expectations are, what we stand for. And when you don't define that mission, it can be just disaster. 
And uh, in my small coaching experience, I've coached uh, my kids in youth football and we had a seven on seven tournament. It was really crazy. Friday, uh, we showed up, we lost all three of our games that were going to decide our seating for the next day. And I realized at the start of it, I didn't, I didn't bring our mission statement. I didn't say, hey, these are the three things we're going to focus on. And so Saturday morning, I said, all right, we're going to be high energy. We're going to you know, be super positive, and we're going to um, bring all the effort that we can in the world on every single play. And you know, that day, they played won four games in a row, played really, really well. And so it's amazing how much that mindset can make a big difference. And so as you guys started to win and you're starting to establish a mission, then the next thing that, that you have to get to is how can we do this consistently? Because sometimes in business or in sports, you can have a great year. You can have a couple good years, but it's the ability to do it over time and have a great career or something long-term. What are some of the factors you think that it takes for someone to lead and succeed over the long run versus just one or two seasons? Well, I, you got a great point because we always hear about the one hit wonders. I mean, music oh, industry yeah. is probably the one, but you know, you see it a lot in business. You see it a lot in sports as well. You know, the team that wins the championship in the next year, where'd they go? Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, second key I always talk about is the ability to how are you going to build trust? Because when I speak to an audience, I always ask them, is trust important in building a great team culture? And 100 percent. Everybody believes that. But then I kind of hit them with my next statement. I said, well, do you, are you have an intentional plan of how you're going to build trust? Because that was the one thing that I did different mm-hmm. after failing in my first opportunity as a head coach is we were had a lot of clarity. We had a three-prong approach of how we were going to build trust. Um, those three points were, number one, is we had to consistently as leaders and then getting everybody to buy in to align your words and actions. So if, you know, we practice at six o'clock in the morning, every se- every uh, beginning of each season, which at the be- beginning, uh, the players weren't real pumped about 6 a.m. practices. Uh, now, that changed as we started to really have a lot of success. But the thing is, I'm I think another thing is leaders along with that is I think you got to have, you mentioned standards. I have a couple non-negotiables. And for one of my non-negotiables is that you got to be on time. Okay. And we were really big on being on time means being early. And so, but as the leader, if I'm going to build trust, if I come late, what does that hurt do the trust account? It certainly hurts it. And, you know, so what I try to do is give illustrations is in some ways, trust is like building a bank account. You know, if you continually put deposits in, you're going to see the account grow. And if you take withdrawals out, but there are different levels. And I'll give you an illustration. Like if I come late for practice, which I never did because that was a non-negotiable for me, but you know, it happens that you're a human being, right? But if I walked in five minutes late, that's going to hit the trust account a little bit. Okay. You're going to have to build that back up. But I'll give you another example. One of the things I did because um, one of the things on my mission statement was to be a great role model. So I told our players and all their parents at our players' parents meeting for my last two decades as a head coach that I wouldn't drink alcohol during the season. Now, that's a choice I made. I, but when I shared that, if I two weeks later got pulled over for a DWI, what do you think that would have done to the trust account? Now, fortunately, I didn't make that poor choice, but certainly we see that all the time. I mean, unfortunately, that we do. 
Bob Huggins from West Virginia just lost his job because he got pulled over for DWI after he'd already done another sin back a few months ago. So, uh, you know, so it's still happening, but I think that's, that's number one. Number two is that we really wanted to focus on telling each other the truth. And as the Bible says, the truth will set you free. So we really, and we would come down harder on players if they lied to us. That was unacceptable. And I think one thing, you know, I think leadership is both a science uh, and the fact that, you know, there's a lot you can study, but there's also an art to it. And so I think there are times where you need to call someone out that's not doing the right thing in front of people, but that's because you've built relationships and you know that person can handle it. Sometimes you need to do that behind closed doors one-on-one, and that's something you got to figure out in building those relationships with your team and members. And then the last thing is, you know, I took over four programs that all been losing. As I mentioned, the first one was disaster, the other three we turned around. And the big thing was, is that I would come in and say, this is an old Ken Blanchard from the One Minute Manager. But it oh, is I love it. Yeah, great book. Today is you got to focus on catching people doing right. And when you catch them doing right, give them specific praise. Like I always give an illustration. Instead of saying, nice job, Johnny, because I coach boys basketball, I would say, Johnny, that was awesome how, how you dove on the floor for that loose ball. That's what championship players do on championship teams. So they've got real clarity of what you're looking for. As you, you mentioned standards, you know, they should have real clarity of what your standards are day in and day out. And, and that are you holding them accountable to those standards? And that's such a huge word you just brought up there. One of the I feel values and principles being lost in a lot of places today mm-hmm. is that accountability. And more and more, it seems like we see on social media or the media itself, this idea that, no, you actually don't have to be accountable. Uh, people like Sam Bankman fried the FTX founder, who, I mean, his parents were telling him, him he didn't have to be accountable and, you know, billions of dollars disappeared. And so what is it about accountability in 2023 that people need to understand if they're going to succeed in all areas of life. Well, I I just think that, you know, if you're a person, uh, one of the great quotes I heard, and I I say, I used to say to our players, I still say it to audiences, is when people think of a person of integrity, do they think of you? And I think that's the thing that's really important is that you are, first of all, you hold yourself accountable. I don't think, you know, one of my other things is as simple as I say, is leading by example. But going back to the same concept, you're just talking about accountability. It's hard to, to really expect your people to do the right things consistently if you don't. All right. So if you expect your your people to work hard and be on time, and you know, be, uh, you know, come up with ideas uh, to help your team or your your organization become better, then you got to be doing the same thing. You know, you got to be one of the hardest worker, if not the hardest worker. Like, you know, my management team and as a basketball coach was my team captain. So we met every Monday. And my first one was an orientation. I always talk, you guys always got to be the ones that when I, because we always talked about, if you're going to be a leader, you're always on stage. And so how do you handle adversity? Do you handle it better than all your teammates? Because they're the people you're looking for. How are you as far as do you come to practice every day, work hard? Okay. If you're not giving your best, do you think your other teammates that are looking up to you are going to give your best? So I think those are things that you really got to teach. And then I think, you know, as far as building trust and, and getting that leadership team is that you come in 
and ask a lot of questions. I found the best leaders are curious. They're always asking, like when I, my last decade in coaching, my captain's meetings, the first question would be, hey, how's our team culture? What do we need to improve this week? Is there anybody that's hurting that I'm not aware of that we can help? How can I better coach you this week? You know, and I really gave them opportunities, empowered their, our leaders to share ideas so that we could work together, you know, because if you're not working together, you're not going to have a good team culture. And a lot of leaders misunderstand that. They think as the leader, they're supposed to just come up with the answers to everything and guide and direct everything. And yet the greatest leaders are those who are not always the smartest people in the room, but they ask the right questions. They get that participation engagement and together they mastermind out great solutions. So I think that's a big value bomb. You just dropped the importance of asking great questions. And then if you're a leader, the real uh, result in, and uh you know, success that you have as a leader is creating more leaders. And that's exactly what you do as a coach. You're creating leaders on a team. So you have leaders out there on the court because you can't be out there on the court all the time. You're on the sideline coaching. And when you have great leaders on the court, it's the same thing in business. You start developing leaders in a business. And that's the difference between a $1 million business, a $10 million business is there are more leaders who are leading and understand those standards and they live them as well. And of course, it starts with you at the top. Now, I'd love to transition and talk a little bit about that Greece Athens high school team uh, that you coached for several years. And what was that team like, that team that year of 2005, 2006? Uh, what was going on with that particular team, if you could tell us? Yeah, so sure. You know, and one thing that I uh, wanted to share along with all, all the Please. great things you said is that I think leaders, uh, you said a great point. They don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but they got to be willing. See, one of the things that I changed that helped me dramatically as a leader, and I really encourage leaders, is if you're going to have a great team and a great team culture, you got to find the best answers, not necessarily your answers. Yeah. And that is yeah. a leader. I think we really struggle. And I'll give you an illustration. Go into that season, 2005, 2006. Well, we had a young man that was on the autism spectrum. His name was Jason McElwain. He had tried out for our th team three consecutive years, never made it. He was very small in stature. He's like five, eight, hundred pounds. I mean, he's very small, but he had this big heart. So we kept him in the program as a manager for three years and he really grew on me in his senior year, we were expecting to have a really good team and i'll give you a quick story and then i'll share a little bit about jason's story so we were going to have a i thought a really good team this senior year and we started out 2-0 and then adversity struck and in fact i wrote a book called the coach in a miracle about the story but i also give a lot of details of our team be, became divided and for I'm sure oh, most wow. people have been on teams that didn't get along. And, and when you do that, you're not going to get the most out of them. And we went yeah. on a tailspin. We lost three out of our next five games, and I didn't think we'd lose any of them. And we went to this Christmas tournament, and the host school was a really good team. And we uh, so we didn't play them the first round. We we won the opening round. And in the second game, the host school beat this team by like 40 points that we had barely beaten two weeks earlier because we were just in disarray. And so the next day, we, it was during Christmas break, so we didn't have school. So we had a short practice called a shoot-around. And normally in a shoot-around, we have the kids come in, we'll do some shooting drills, we'll do a few uh, plays and get ready for the game that night. I knew I had to do something different. And so I sat them down, and I really became vulnerable to them. 
I, I shocked him. I, uh, we didn't bring any basketballs out. And I said, guys, I don't want to go to the game tonight. And they kind of looked at me and said, what do you mean? <laughs> You're the coach. And I said, well, unless we decide that we're going to unite, Fairport's going to beat us, our opponent that night by 50 points. But the best thing I did that night, Leo, is I, or that day, is I said to him, guys, I don't have the answers. You do. And you've got to be willing to share of how we can get this team united. And I waited. And after a couple of minutes, it seemed like an hour, uh, finally someone shared an idea. And then it went from someone else. And by the end of that hour meeting, we were a different team because they knew that they were heard and they had some good ideas. And that night it manifested. We didn't win the game, but we lost in overtime. And that really wow. uh, vaulted us into another. Uh, we went on a winning streak, won eight of our next nine games, going to senior night. Well, Jason was our team manager through the whole thing. But one of the things I told him at the beginning of the season, because he was so loyal to our program, is I wanted to give him a gift. And the gift was for senior night, our final home game. We honored the seniors before the game. I was going to give me a uniform and hopefully get you in the game. And I will say, Leo, before the game, when we honored the seniors and brought their parents and guardians to see Jason embrace his parents and uh, uniform was a memory I will always cherish. Well, I was hoping I could get Jason in the game. And after three quarters of the game, I got everybody in but Jason. With four minutes to go, I, I decided that time was right. I pointed to him and nearly ran on the court. He was so pumped up. Then what happened next really touched my heart and soul. When he walked on the floor, we had a good student body following. There's a video on ESPN or on YouTube. ESPN is really powerful. That's amazing. And and, uh, so our student body gives him a standing ovation, which really touched me. But what I didn't know is one of our parents, who's kind of an unofficial photographer, had made all these pictures of J-Mac's face and put them on paint sticks like placards. And they show all these pictures of Jason. Well, I get overwhelmed by emotion. I, I sit down, which I really do, in tears are actually falling down my face. I'm profoundly yeah. touched. Well, that was, Jason's is his first game. First time he touches the ball, he's got a three-pointer. He lets it go. The crowd stands in anticipation. It misses by like six feet. And, I, you know, it was a public school, so I kid people. I know you're not supposed to pray in the public schools, but I was praying, dear God, please help him get one basket. Well, the next possession, he has a much shorter shot from about 10 feet. And this time it hits the backboard, hits the rim, and falls off. I'm going, all right, God's starting to listen. We're getting closer. And then the third shot was a three-pointer from the right wing. He lets it go. Magic. The place explodes. I'm thinking God must be a basketball fan. Not only has Jason scored, he's got a three-pointer. It can't get any better than this, right? Wrong. For the next three minutes, Jason turns into his idol the late Kobe Bryant. In fact, he used to sign his oh, name, wow. Jason, yeah. J-Mac, Kobe McElwain. That's how he used to sign his name because he loved Kobe. Well, I'm going to come back and finish the game in just a second. But yeah. five months after that game, he Jason's at the ESPYs. He's up for the greatest sports moment of the year. And you won't believe this, but one of the other finalists is his idol, Kobe Bryant. Kobe scored 81 points in an NBA game for the Lakers. He sure did against Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, he's up for the same award. So Jason meets his idol and he beats him out for the ESPY. Well, how did he do that? Well, after making that first shot, he comes down, makes another three. 
Then he makes a basket where his actually his foot is the line, so he gets two. Then he missed a couple. He makes a couple. The place is just going bananas. And the two things I'll never forget, Leo, with about a minute to go, I'm sitting on the bench, tears still rolling down my face. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I get a tap on my shoulder. I'm shocked. I look behind me. It's J-Mac's mother, and she is bawling her eyes out. And she goes, Coach, this is the best gift you could ever give my son. Of course, what would you have done? I cried harder. Then this is how the game, it's like a Hollywood ending. Yeah. Uh, our, our opponent, Spencer Port, uh, and I want to give kudos to their coach and players that night. They were great sports. But they score a basket, and my player takes it out of bounds, and he normally throws it to our point guard. But for some unknown reason, he throws it right to J-Mac. So J-Mac's dribbling down the court, and I thought they'd just let him go and he'd shoot a short layup. Oh, no, he pulls up like two feet from behind the arc. I'm like, Jason, don't shoot from there. You're going to ruin this moment. He launches this rainbow, swish. The place goes bananas. They run on the floor. Our players are running on the floor. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm living the movie Rudy. But this is really true. <laughs> then our players put Jason up on his shoulders, and he's got the game ball over his head. At this point, I have no idea how many points he has. And our public address announcer comes on and says, the leading scorer for the Trojans tonight, J-Mac, with 20 points. And I'm like, with my math brain, if he played the whole game, he scored 160 Wow. But, uh, you know, for the uh, one little, there's so many lessons, but I'll show you a real quick one. Is the thing was so cool because we really have put a lot of time trying to get the culture right. And you know what, Leo was amazing was the four players on the court. I never asked them to pass Jason the ball yet, out of the last four minutes, they passed the ball to him every possession. And to me, that's the essence of shining the light on a teammate. And that's what builds great team culture and leaders. That's what we got to do is shine the light on others. Although I will say a sideline, I still kill Jason. I still see him all the time. And then, Jason, I'm still looking for your first assist. You didn't pass the ball once. But uh, it was a, a magnificent night. And the crazy thing is, is three weeks later, at that point, I had been a fairly successful coach for the win-losses, but we had never won our, our championship. In, in front of a, a sold-out arena, about 10,000 people, we won our first championship, where Jason wow. had to go back and be our team manager. Yet, yeah. if you asked him today, Leo, what was the best thing about your senior season? Because we got interviewed a lot of times. And, and the you know interview would be all pumped up because he wanted to hear about Jason's game. Jason would say, oh, he's winning the Section 5 championship. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, but that's what a great team guy he was. I mean, that, that's his ultimate dream was to be part of a Section 5 championship. And then he ended up coming back and being my assistant for nine years. And we won four more championships together. So wow. there's no fee. I will run him out to everybody. So he's, he's pretty special in my heart. So. That's incredible. The, the thing that that resonated, touched me with that entire experience was I just thought as I was watching the the kids on the bench, the leaders, the kids on the floor, like this was just a team of, of great leaders and they really came together and they did have the right culture. And 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 if they hadn't had that, there's no way that J-Mac would have gone out and had that type of experience because you're right. They just knew they passed. They made it work. And there was just so much so much support and love and, and trust in that uh, team and that, and, and what's even better is just hearing that actually that's not how the team started the year, but yeah. they came together and they all decided that, and, and just that's, that's amazing. Amazing.
Yeah, I think, you know, another great lesson we can all learn, you know, as leaders, you know, whether it's a business or any kind of team is that, uh, uh, you know, the ultimate is it's not necessarily how you start, but, you know, how do you do with the journey? And and that that's the real key is, you know, that you got to stay with it. And, uh, you know, you're going to have highs and lows. And and, uh, I mean, the crazy thing is, Leo, that that the first half of that season was the most difficult first half of the season I ever had in my entire career. And I was a head coach for 30 years. So that's a lot of years. Wow. And that's a great lesson for everybody that, you know, you can have really tough times, but if you stay strong and stay with it and believe in your people, um, things will turn around. They will. Exactly right. Exactly right. How do you deal with, with adversity when the cards are down? And that's that says everything about your character more than when things are just going perfectly. So, you know, at this point, Coach, I think a lot of people have been incredibly inspired and touched by this amazing story. Everybody's going to YouTube right now and checking it out. But for a lot of the audience, we want to become better leaders. We want to have championship businesses and teams and cultures. And so where can they go to connect up with you and and go down this path of becoming you know a, a successful leader and creating teams like you've done sure so the best thing is uh i have a, my website is coachjimjohnson.com that way i wouldn't forget it and on that uh you know we have a, a bunch of videos i have a, a youtube channel i have a free newsletter i have a free weekly blog that they can sign up for um certainly i i have a lady that manages me that uh, her name is Kate. This is a great job. So if people want to reach out for uh, me to do a presentation for their organization or team, or uh, I, I both, I do virtual and in person. And, uh, you know, I do some individual coaching of, if, if, you know, I, I do a free 20 minute uh, consultation call if people uh, want to learn more. Uh, but I, I really love, and I started a podcast with two other people called the Limitless Leadership Lounge. Oh, we just, very cool. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, we just finished our 100th episode. We're up to about 103 now. And it's been really neat. Uh, our couple of unique things is that we call it tri-generational because our three co-hosts, I'm the old guy in my, my 60s. Then we have a college professor, a female that actually originally from Bangladesh came to the U.S. to get oh, a doctor wow. and works at a college exactly. here locally. And yeah. she also started a nonprofit in Bangladesh. So she goes back from the U.S. and and she's the middle-aged person. Then we have a young guy that just finished his master's in communication from Syracuse, and he's in the radio business, and he does all kinds of different work. And he's he's a kind of our voice. He's got a great voice. Um, but the three of us, and we, uh, it's been really neat. We've interviewed uh, leaders from all over the world. And our, our whole focus, going back to my little story at 25, losing my first job, is I, I, you know, what I want to do is give back and I, I want to help people become better leaders of themselves and others. But really, I, my point with that podcast is to help young and emerging leaders. We try to ask questions, you know, when you get started, how how are things, you know, what, what advice would you give people as you get started in a leadership position? Because, you know, often we see this a lot, you know, in the business world, yeah. the person that's a great salesperson. And what do they do? Um, to be able to elevate them where they can make more money, they become a sales manager. Unfortunately, a lot of times they're very good in sales, but they have no leadership skills and they become That's the right. sales, sales mangler instead of manager. Yeah. And so I think it's really important that, you know, uh, in making those transitions 
from, uh, you know, I think the first person you got to lead is yourself. So I think getting clarity on that. But then secondly, how do you do a good job of leading people and building them up? And, and that's a lot of things I've become an expert in because I spent so much time studying how to, you know, get the best out of people and, uh, you know, and, and build that team culture. Um, because then it manifests into the things you want in business is profit. And, you know, in the sports world is winning games. So. I love that last part, getting the best out of people. And that's what parenting is all about. That's what leadership is all about. Coaching is all about getting the best out of people. That means challenging and that means some uncomfortable conversations at some point. But everybody listening, again, this is not a passive podcast. This is for action takers. And we expect you to go to coachjimjohnson.com and take in more of his leadership, the videos, his teachings. And if you know of or you're putting together any type of events that could be in person, that could be virtual, he can do keynotes, workshops, motivation and inspiration for these events. So go to coachjimjohnson.com and let's let's get accountable leaders out there teaching us so that we can continue to progress and remember what makes our country so great. So go to coachjimjohnson.com. Hey, Coach, the, the last word is yours. What's your last word in terms of steps that someone can take today to get on that path to becoming a great leader and building a great team? Well, I'm going to finish with, you know, something has gotten bigger in leadership. And I, I tried to practice it really the second half of my career is servant leadership. And like to that. me, servant leadership, I think, uh, number one, is I think one of the things that we've gotten divided and we got to reunite and is that we have to do a better job of respecting all people. That doesn't mean that we agree. Like one of the things that I got pretty good at is with my players is I told them that I always wanted to hear from them. But I also shared to them, I'm not always going to agree. And if I didn't agree, I would share with them, you know what? I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I don't agree with that. And this is why. Now, they may not like that, but at least they knew where I was coming from. And then that respect always stayed there. And there's a lot of times I did use their information to make our team better. And I think that's something people want to be heard. The second thing is, is a servant leader, you're flipping the pyramid, you know, so you're, you got to get your ego out of the way and you've got to be someone that it's, your mindset is how can I serve my people to help them become better? We've shared that. And then the third thing we mentioned, but I want to reinforce is I think the best leaders are the people that develop leaders. Like, uh, you know, one of the coaches, I, I mean, he's passed away, but I've read his book, uh, The Score Takes Care of Itself, Bill Walsh. Um, and Bill Walsh, the one thing that that just made him so highly successful, yes, he was a Super Bowl champ, I think three times, but you know yes. what? Look at his coaching tree. How many of his coaches went on to be great coaches in other situations? And to me, that's what a great coach is when you can leave a legacy to help the people that you work with be able to lead uh, often better than you do. And that's what makes it pretty cool. Yeah. So I completely agree. What a beautiful last word, everybody. Make sure you take action to go to coachjimjohnson.com. Coach, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. My pleasure, Leo. It was great. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward someday to meet you in person. So. Absolutely. 
Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.